What if I told you that I think how most of us are explaining and teaching building trust is all wrong? Well, I really do think that. And in this episode, I'll explain what I mean. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So my entire career, I've heard all about building trust and we have to establish rapport and we have seven seconds to make a great first impression. And these things are all absolutely true. I'm not questioning any of these things. But it always felt to me like something was kind of missing from that. Like, I understand we need to build trust. I understand establishing rapport. All very important things. And I've really kind of struggled with this for for years, honestly. I've tried to figure out what I thought was not properly being articulated in our attempts to be successful with trust, rapport, and making first impressions. And recently... And maybe about a month, month ago, I had a real breakthrough and I want to share it because I think it, it's really critical for, especially those of us who are sending people out to other people's homes and, and people who are uh, greeting folks coming to our office and our shops and things like that, that we get this part right because we can very easily on this topic think we're sending the correct message and our employees and our staff and team walk away with completely a different perspective of, of what we're saying and then we are very frustrated with the outcomes. And so I think that this, this breakthrough I had recently really is, is helping me give clarity to folks in what we're trying to teach. So as you know by now, I don't like things I call nebulous, ambiguous, and general goals as target outcomes in situations where I want to be able to hold my team accountable. So I don't believe I can hold my team accountable for things like, quote unquote, good customer service or being excellent in providing a great customer experience. I just don't believe I can hold them accountable because there's no objective. There's no measurable outcome. There's no way to tell if we did or did not do that thing. And I think it's exceedingly difficult to hold people accountable if there's not a, a measurable outcome to say we did this or did not. So I just don't like those terms in general, and I do everything I can to avoid those whenever possible. Not always possible, I get that, but to the degree I can, I really want to get out in front of those things. So I want to be able to hold my team accountable. I want to have confidence in the entire team heading towards the same version of success. I get a number of calls each week from existing clients and people who have never called me before, people who just heard about me or or have met me. And one of the most common calls I get is from people saying, I'm at my wits end with X employee, could be entry level, could be senior management. It doesn't matter. The call, it goes like this. I'm at my wits end with them. I think I need to fire them. I need, you know, what do you think? How do I fire somebody? Do you think it's time? Like those kinds of things. And my first question is always the same. Whatever the issue is, I say, 
if I, Brian, called your employee and asked them to explain what success looked like as it relates to this thing, whatever it is that's making you angry, would their answer match yours? And the response I get is almost always one of two things. One is silence as they think about it. And the other one is some, some version of mm, probably not. So this is why I don't like nebulous outcomes and nebulous descriptions or general descriptions of what we're aiming for in, in things like good customer service or doing a good job or taking care of the customer or leading the team in the right direction and doing the right thing. And these very general outcomes that we cannot even agree on what we're aiming for. And then we get wildly frustrated when they don't achieve it. And, and we can't even articulate it sometimes. So I want to have confidence that the entire team is heading towards the same version of success. To, the only way I can confirm that they're all we are all heading for the same version of success is for each person in their own words to describe what success looks like to them. If they cannot, in their own words, describe what success looks like to them in a way that makes me confident that, yeah, they, they're using different words, maybe phrase a little bit different, but yeah, that's what we're aiming for then we're not aiming for the same thing. They have a version that is different than mine. If I can get out in front of that, my life is immensely easier. So I want to be able to hold them accountable. I want to have confidence the entire team is heading towards the same version or description or of success or an outcome. And I want to be able to trust my employees to make good decisions so I can focus on other things. Sometimes focusing on other things means I'm taking a vacation. Sometimes focusing on other things means I'm I'm trying to figure out the next marketing move we're going to do instead of trying to figure out how we service X customer today on the schedule or whatever. I need to be able to trust people to make good decisions so I can focus on other things. When people talk about scaling a business, they hear about procedures and they talk about processes and, and all these other things that are, that are important. The number one thing I think people have to do that is never talked about to scale a business is to trust the people to make decisions so you can focus on other things. If that trust is not there for them to make good decisions, you will not give up control, which means you cannot focus on the next level of things you need to focus on to scale a business. So that's why I think this this, this particular issue is such a tremendous um, idea and notion and skill and strategy to wrap our heads around is I need to be ever um, diligent about giving up control trusting people to make decisions so I can focus on the next thing I need to focus on to continue growing the business. So examples on those calls I get, um, I got to fire an employee are as simple as attendance. Like they're just not coming to work as often as we need or project managers making 150, $200,000 a year who are not successful in that role. It covers the gamut. And my question is always the same. Would their version of success be the same as yours if I called them? The answers are always the same, whether small, trivial things like attendance or big things like project managers making lots of money, not, not producing outcomes we want. It's always silence or probably not. So this is a great example of this. This building trust, establishing rapport, making great first impressions. This is a perfect example of that. We say these things with the intent that people are going to understand and interpret and apply building trust in the way we mean it. And, and it's not always the case. So this is one that's like ripe for negative outcomes due to assumptions and a lack of understanding. So when we tell our employees we must develop trust, which trust are we aiming for? What does that even mean? And I'm not being sarcastic here. When we say build trust, like what do we mean by that? 
And one of the answers I would get from people is, well, Brian, these are adults that I hired. These are experts in their field. They should know that. Okay. If you cannot articulate as the business owner, what you mean by developing trust or building trust, how in the world are they supposed to? Well, they're just supposed to, they should know that's the answer. So here's, here's what I'm getting at with this. When our revenue producing employees or managers or uh, people answering the phone or whatever, hear us talk about building trust. They believe generally, naturally, that building trust is about getting the customer to have confidence in our technical skill. The way to building trust is to show the customer we have expertise, we have knowledge, we have skills, we, we have the ability to solve their problem. That is how customers will trust us because they believe we are competent. That's how our employees naturally, that's where their brain goes naturally when they hear building trust. However, when our customers think about trust, what they want is confidence. We are willing and able to make good decisions on their behalf, on the customer's behalf. So our employees here build trust. That equates to demonstrating we have expertise, technical skill, the ability to solve this problem, whether it's a new HVAC unit or whatever it is we're fixing, the car, the transmission, whatever. They believe to establish trust in the customer, we have to prove our technical prowess or ability. What the customer wants when they think about trust is, I want to trust that you are willing and able to make good decisions on my behalf on this thing that I don't even understand. And I'll never even see in some cases. I'll never even see the technical work you do. And if I do, I probably won't even understand most of it. I want to trust that you are willing and able to make good decisions on my behalf, which, by the way, does include that you are technically proficient in your skill. That's part of it. But that is absolutely not the, the only part of it. That is a piece of it. That is not the entire pie. So it's critical, I think, that we are clear with our employees. When we talk about building trust, first of all, I might even not use that phrase anymore. Rather than saying building trust, I would say we want our customers to know that they can trust that we are willing and able to make good decisions on their behalf, which means we have to be technically proficient, but it also means we have to understand these things that they care about that they're never going to say. Like the underwear drawer. We talked about that a few episodes ago. We have to understand that our team is naturally going to want their skill to be highlighted. We are all selfish creatures. We all have a favorite topic and our favorite topic is me. So if we talk to a technician or a revenue producing employee and say, you need to build trust, they're naturally going to say, yeah, of course, the way I'm going to do that is tell everybody how wonderful I am, how smart I am. Here's my years of experience I have. Here's all my certifications. Look on the wall. Here's all the plaques I have. Here's how great I am. Of course, they're going to, they're going to think that they can, they can trust me. But the customer doesn't think that way. The customer wants to believe that we are on their side, that we are willing and able to make good decisions on their behalf. So I hope you can see the disconnect there, that what we want as providers is people to trust us because of our technical skill. What the people hiring us want is to be able to trust us that we have the ability and willingness to make good decisions on their behalf. So what's the difference between the two? If we only focus on the technical part, we could do a really good job with that and not leave the customer with the, the impression that we are willing and able to make good decisions on their behalf. We cannot get them to a point where they believe we can make and, and are willing to make decisions on their behalf that are good for them if we're not technically proficient. 
You can go to the DMV and get your driver's license renewed and have a terrible experience. You cannot have a great experience at the DMV without getting your driver's license renewed. That's the difference. So what do we gain by getting it right? Well, referrals, uh, additional sales, repeat customers, like all the things we want. This is what makes people decide we are the provider they should hire. When they believe and know that we are willing and able to make good decisions on their behalf, that kind of trust they can have, they will tell everyone. And they will absolutely not risk giving that up to try somebody else next time. No way. So that's what we gain by getting it right. The problem is we have to get our employees to understand this. And this is a delicate conversation sometimes. And, and one of the things I hear most often is, that all sounds great, Brian, but you don't understand. My employees are going to flip when they hear that. And I, I say, I do understand. Everybody who has a technically proficient employee who has a skill that takes years to learn or even months to learn is going to have to have this conversation. It's not about us and our skill. Do they expect that? Of course they expect that. Is that how the entire way they assess our ability to solve their problem? No, not even close. If the customer doesn't think that we understand the things that they're concerned about that they don't verbalize, that had nothing to do with what we're fixing, they could have the great experience or they could get their driver's license if you need DMV and have a terrible experience. So the consequences of getting this wrong is having a team of people out in the out representing the company who are talking about them and how great they are and their skill and completely missing the mark on what the customer wants and completely missing the mark on how the customer assesses what a quote unquote good job is completely missing the mark on, is this a company I would refer to somebody? You could have a very technically proficient crew of people solving problems and not be a company that somebody would refer. And if our employees don't understand that we are going to have problems, we're going to have customer complaints. We're going to not get referrals to, to the degree we should. So, this is why it's critical, I think, to, to have these conversations. And this is not a one-time conversation, probably. This is something that might take you six months to train your team. But oh my goodness, once they get this, is your life going to be easier? You won't have conversations about them sweeping up the floor the same way and cleaning up the job site the same way. You won't have conversations about getting estimates to them on, to the customers on time or getting bids turned in when we say we're going to. Those kinds of conversations begin to go away when people understand this. So how do we train it? I've talked about it before. What, why, how? What are we trying to do? We're trying to get the customer to believe and know that we are willing and able to make good decisions on their behalf. That's what we're trying to do. Why does it matter? Because we want to the customer to make, we want to, we want to bend how we do things to meet the customer's natural needs, which is they can only understand what they can see, contextualize, or they, they only can assess what they can see, contextualize, and understand. That's how they make decisions. That's how they know if they can feel good about what we're doing or not. We need to conform to that, not get them to conform to appreciating our skill, our technical skill more than, than they are naturally going to. And how do we know if our team gets it? When our team can say back in their own words, some version of that, that, it gets, that tells me that they understand this. So more on that in a minute. First, let me take a moment to tell you that open enrollment for my group coaching program is here for the entire month of February. It's 2023. This February, 2023. The whole month is open. Goes through the end of the month. And, uh, after this, open enrollment will not be uh, enrollment will not be open again until summer. And I want to be really clear about something here. I'm literally going to be doubling the price of, on the next open enrollment because of major improvements to our membership. So this is the last time I'll be offering membership at the current price. In the membership, unlike one-on-one -on -one coaching, your, your pricing is locked in for the length of your membership when you join. Whatever you price you join at, that is your price as long as you remain a, a member in good standing. As prices continue to rise, your price will always stay the same. So uh, it's, it's, if price is a factor for you, 
now is the time to join. I'm literally going to be doubling the price because of some major improvements we've made. Here's what my off, my, my coaching program offers. Clarity on where your business is and the overall journey. What intel, So you can know what specific areas you should be focused on right now based on where your business is. You can improve profitability, employee buy-in and performance, processes and efficiency, and, and just your quality of life as a business owner. You get step-by-step instructions on how to get through the challenges related to those areas quickly. So, so um, you're not struggling as long as you would be on your own from someone who, who's been right where you are today. Me, I've been right where you are. So plus you get the support inside of other business owners just like you. So to learn more, go to the link in the show notes to book an appointment with me, or you can go to serviceindustrysuccess.com to see what's all about there. You can also book an appointment with me there. Uh, also, it's not a huge time commitment. 90 minutes a week is the only time commitment for this membership. So it's not like it's uh, uh, many hours a week. I know that you're all busy. So I know that that's a factor. So back to our topic. The first thing I would recommend is stop using the word trust as this all-inclusive word to describe an unspecific aim, which our employees are likely to misinterpret. Let's just say what we mean. Let's stop saying things like build trust and let's be very specific and say, we need our customers to know that we are willing and able to make good decisions on their their behalf. Yes, that includes demonstrating that we are technically proficient, but the technical proficiency is not the only factor. It's a factor, not the factor. And the less our employees understand that, the more they talk about them. And again, we all have a favorite topic. It's me. It's not you and your technician. It's not your company. It's none of that stuff. It's me. How are you solving my problem? I'm hiring you to solve my problem. And one of the things that with, you know, service employees who have high skills is it can kind of begin to shift where it's like the, we are doing the customer a favor that, you know, if you're an emergency service, especially you're, you're in a plumbing situation, you make the water go down that's flooded their basement. They're saying, thank you. Can I, can I make, you know, can I get you something to drink? You want something to eat? Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's easy for that perspective to shift where now we feel like we're doing them the favor. And that is not the case. We have to constantly remind ourselves. We are asking them to do something for us. They're going to write us a check or give us a credit card. That's what we're asking them to do. We need to conform to what they need, not the other way around. And the better our employees understand that, the easier our life is going to be. The more we can trust their decisions so we can focus on other things, the more we can be ensured that we're all aiming towards the same outcome, the same version of success. So my life is easier. And the more I can hold people accountable to doing specific things. So uh, click on the link in the show notes to go to serviceindustrysuccess.com today to see if my group coaching membership is right for you. Also, if you haven't had a chance yet, please hit that subscribe button. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm trying to do is reach as many folks as possible to help as many people as possible through this, these difficult parts of, of starting a business and, and growing a business. You know, we spent all, all our career in the early part learning how to do the craft or trade we do. And then we decided to start a business and it takes completely different skills. And so that's the whole purpose of this thing is to help people learn the skills to get through these really difficult parts of business ownership as quickly and easily as possible. So ways to help me do that, uh, subscribe to this, share this podcast with a friend or colleague. Like you, you never know what little tidbit they could hear that completely changes their life. It could completely help them overcome a major hurdle they've been stumbling against for, for weeks or months or even years. Share this with them. You never know how people are going to get the help they need. And, and, uh, uh, if you haven't had a chance yet, give us a rating review. Those ways we grow this podcast. Um, listenership i gotta say last few months has been just going gangbusters i really appreciate you guys taking the time to help me spread the word on this means the world to me i really appreciate that and i know it's helping people out there because i'm getting the feedback saying so so thank you for doing your part to help other business owners to not have to struggle so much and uh 
That's it for this week, and I'll see you all next week.